everyone. This is Mike with the Crucial Talks Podcast. Hope you have a great week, and please remember to share, rate, and subscribe to the podcast so we can keep building our community of professionals that want to know what drives people. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Curtis LeMay and the birth of the Strategic Air Command, and we're going to talk a little bit about how a culture where you do not accept mistakes, where mistakes are not tolerated, where people are removed because they make an error. We're going to talk about how that can be detrimental to communication and success. He was born in Columbus, Ohio, just 50 miles from the Wright Brothers' shop in Dayton. He saw his first airplane at the age of four. It fascinated him, and he ran to catch it, but it was gone. From then on, he was fascinated by flight and continued to chase it. After college, he joined the Army and became a pilot. The chase that began at age four was fulfilled. And for the next 40 years, aviation would bring him fame and achievement through a long and glorious career. He was always the best bombardier, best navigator, and best pilot in his unit. He developed the tactics to win wars from the air, then led the way as the Army Air Forces smashed Germany, then Japan on their way to victory in World War II. When the Soviets became a menace, he thwarted them by first organizing the Berlin Airlift, then developing the Strategic Air Command into the world's premier nuclear deterrent bomber and missile force, dedicated to the preservation of peace, a peace that lasted for over 40 years. His name is Curtis Emerson LeMay, and he is a legend of air power. Curtis LeMay grew up in a working-class family, moving from state to state as his dad found work. This meant he was always the new kid and had to deal with things new kids have to deal with. Being lonely, being picked on, and dealing with an unstable home life without roots being firmly planted. All of these experiences helped LeMay learn that discipline and hard work were important. He got his first job before he was 10, worked hard throughout high school, and paid for his own tuition at Ohio State. He worked late at night and attended classes during the day, joining the Army Air Corps in 1929. LeMay learned to fly, and he found that his true enjoyment was flying. But he was also a strategic thinker. He had an engineering degree and had a scientific mind. He didn't fly just for the pure thrill of it. He flew with an end goal in mind. LeMay believed that the future of air power wasn't zooming around the skies in a fighter plane, but rather in the strategic use of long-range bombers. During World War II, bombers were being used extensively. The tactics used by bombers back then was to swerve around the sky with the belief that this would make them harder to hit. However, a swerving aircraft also travels slower. This meant they were in the kill zone longer and also missed more targets. So in 1942, Curtis LeMay arrived in Europe with a group of bombers and began to look at the tactics being used. He figured out a few things. One, he figured out that aircraft that flew straight flew faster, and faster airplanes meant less time being targeted by anti-aircraft guns. Flying straight meant it would be easier to aim at targets they were supposed to hit. LeMay then developed a new formation for the bombers to fly in so that they could both drop bombs and defend against fighters. Some crews thought his idea was crazy. I mean, think about it. When we get used to doing something a certain way and somebody wants to change it, we're never too sure about it. 
So during one bombing mission, he ordered them to try it. Even though they thought it was crazy to fly without zigzagging around, he got them to do it anyway. How'd he do that? He did it by flying in the lead aircraft. The lead aircraft is the one that usually got targeted first, and the one with the higher chance of getting shot down. But he put himself in that aircraft to lead from the front. So in November of 1942, Curtis LeMay, known for his no-nonsense communication methods and chewing on the end of a stubby cigar, led a bombing mission. They flew straight, they flew fast, and they hit their targets. They did not lose a single aircraft. The tactic was then implemented by bomber crews all over Europe. Again, LeMay had brought a scientific method to long-range bombing. He used calculations to figure out a better way. This vision of strategic bombing, of the need for engineering precision, also extended to his crews. Crews would lose their jobs if they didn't have the skill or the will to do what was needed to be done. Crews would also lose their jobs for mistakes. According to LeMay, he could not, quote, afford to differentiate between the incompetent and the unfortunate, end quote. We can see that LeMay was treating crews like parts of a big machine. If the part wasn't working right, you just changed out the part. The danger with this is that people are not willing to talk about their mistakes openly. If they did, they risk the negative outcome. This can stifle communication and is something we need to be careful of in our organizations. Although we all need to admit we can understand that LeMay's context and decision making might be different than our lens because he was in wartime. So there are a couple of good takeaways from Curtis LeMay. I don't want to just focus on the negative things that can happen when you limit communication or when people feel threatened. There are some good things. One, LeMay cared about the survival of his crews. He truly did. Although incompetence or mistakes were not tolerated, he was still loyal to them and wanted them to survive. What do we learn from this? We learn that truly caring about people on your team creates an in-group relationship where people will watch out for each other. LeMay also led from the front. He didn't ask Cruz to do anything he wasn't willing to do. This is a prime example of the importance of role modeling. If we want people to behave differently, we need to impact how they see the behaviors that they assign to the roles they are supposed to play. If LeMay wanted his bomber crews to fly straight, fly fast, fly into enemy fire without flinching, and then hit their targets, he had to do the same. This is a way to establish a prototype. And from that prototype, people can gain significant insight into how they are supposed to behave. The culture LeMay planted continued to drive behavior and beliefs in this strategic air command. Once culture is established, it drives behavior. That's why it is so important to focus on culture, to think about it, to establish it, and to hone it into what you need it to be. People were going to make mistakes. But again, in the Strategic Air Command, mistakes weren't tolerated. The result of such a culture can be limited communication. It can also result in reduced learning because people try to hide mistakes. Trust can be reduced. And probably the worst outcome from all of this is an inability to see the bigger system. People are looked at as parts that can be replaced, and this can make people blind to the broader system they exist in. In order to prevent this, we can do a few things. One, understand that people will make mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen. We need to build systems 
that can absorb those mistakes without really bad things happening. The second thing we can do, believe that most people want to do a good job and that they do not want to make mistakes. This will give you a positive lens to look through. So you can look at people not as problems to be solved, but as resources that you need to be effective, to hit successful outcomes. And we want to develop those systems where people can fail safely. This is how we can learn. This is how we can develop solutions to complicated and complex issues. And we want to create an environment where people trust each other and don't feel the need to protect themselves from internal threats. We've talked about this before, that if you feel safe in your group, you can start looking outside. You can focus on what's happening outside the group. That means you can be more successful, more effective. You can deal with problems because you're not worried about the people in your group. As always, thank you for listening, and thank you for helping to create a community of practitioners that can positively impact how we all behave. If you'd like more information, please feel free to visit CrucialTalks.com and make contact with me. If you can, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and rate it. I'm really trying to grow this community of practitioners that are interested in human behavior. I hope you have a great week, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Thank you.